What's that I didn't hear? Come on a little louder. What? Uh. <laughs> hey, what's up, citizens? Oh, that's kind of loud, actually. <laughs> I am your V podcaster host, Jay Starks, and welcome to the Bingo Book Podcast. Hey, we are back another week on episode number. 42. Dang. Y'all ever knew anybody with some 42 inch rims? Just spinning on that thing like that. <laughs> but hey, I hope that you've had a pleasant week so far. Um, before we go on our anime discussion journey. So, of course, I do have some things of note for today's episode. Um, bear with me one moment. Uno momento. So a couple things to note for today's episode. Uh, ZOM 100 Bucket List of the Dead, episode number six, has been delayed until August the 28th, 2023. So, hey, if you're listening, you will not get that episode until tomorrow. Uh, and for the future listeners, well, you missed out. <laughs> Go back and look at the VOD. Listen to it. <laughs> uh, but also, I do apologize uh, for those that caught our gaming stream last night. We were playing some Street Fighter VI. Uh, I thought we would have enough time to be able to do our anime news and character analysis segment today. But we're still behind in our production schedule. And I ask for your extended patience. Tunnel. Please, please, please. <laughs> okay, well, hey, we get into our summer 2023 anime discussions for our A-side slate. Of course, those that are watching on our live streams, um, you can see the listing right there. And so in today's episode, we'll be discussing several topics such as problems with training a new employee. Ooh, now have you had the pleasure of training someone new at the job? I know, right? The joys of responsibility, am I right? <laughs> also, we have helping a friend confess to their crush. Ooh, now I do have some pointers that may help you direct your friend uh, into having a successful confession. But just stay tuned. You know, that's coming up here shortly. But also, don't forget, after our first break, we will return with more anime topics uh, that we cover in our B-Side slate. So please kick back, grab a snack, and enjoy the show. But before we do, I, I do, <laughs> this might be a little bit of TMI, but I ain't gonna lie, your boy got the runs right now. <laughs> And, and I'm not talking about uh, participating in the World Olympics or championships, nothing like that. No, 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 no. I'm talking about going to the restroom, the R&R. It's been a challenging day, for to say the least. <laughs> but all right, well, hey, let's go ahead and get into our first anime for discussion. And that is... The Dreaming Boy is a Realist, episode eight, titled, Aren't You Way Too Guilty? Hmm, are you? I mean, I had to, by admission, that sounds guilty. <laughs> uh, well, in this episode, the bookstore owner at Wataru's part-time job 
wants to hire a new employee in preparation for when Wataru graduates high school, which, you know, I actually can respect that. You know, it's a uh, uh, foreseeing, you know, saying, hey, I, I understand where age you are and knowing that once you go to college or wherever you decide to go, that you're probably not going to continue to work here because you can make more money. We need to go ahead and start planning for the future. Right. And so uh, shortly thereafter, a first year student by the name of Mina Ichinose applies for the job and is hired right on the spot by the bookstore owner. Now I can tell you right now for someone that actually had the experience of being hired right on the spot, that's probably one of the best feelings ever, but it's also one of the most shocking feelings you'll ever have too because most of the times when you apply for a job, you don't expect that you're going to get hired right on the spot and have to work that same day. You're normally thinking like, okay, they won't call me for another week at minimum or something like that, you know? But, uh, hey, what's up, Kane? We got Kane in the chat. Uh, Kane says, hey, I hated training people. <laughs> yeah, we, we definitely going to talk about this some more here uh, briefly. Uh, and yes, the spicy food. Um, no, I don't know if it was spicy food. I had some chicken tenders uh, last night. And I don't know, maybe because I didn't cook them. I bought them. And so that's probably, that could be it, but I don't want to blame the establishment and say, oh, it's because y'all have bad chicken tenders. I don't think it's that. I just think that because of what I've been eating lately, um, it's just upsetting my stomach. Like, hey, this isn't what you've been doing lately, Jay. So what is this? This is foreign. Oh, you're going back? You like, you, 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 oh, you like fried foods? All right, we're going we're gonna to handle you. We're going to show you who's boss. And I think that's where, where my stomach's at right now. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so um, also, so as, um, you know, the store, the bookstore owner says, hey, you know, we're going to, I'm possibly going to have to hire somebody new. Shortly thereafter, a first-year student by the name of Mina Ichose, who I was talking about before, you know, applies for the job and gets hired right on the spot. And so Wataru is given instructions um, by his owner to train Mina, to which he immediately notices how difficult this task would be without someone, you know, that's really inexperienced with handling customers and so it was all bad if you if you know you can kind of see the screenshot for those that are watching the, the live stream um you know she's got her bookstore apron on right now and seems like she's gonna be hard at work but uh she was very very quiet you know when customer a new customer would come around she would pretty much panic and kind of ball up you know kind of get into her own head and um you could barely hear her saying any words and I can tell you right now, like, aside from the topic, that's something that really frustrates me when I'm speaking to people is if you speak very, very soft like this. Hey, how you doing, Kane? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all right. I'm having a good job. Yeah, I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine. I'm, doing, I'm okay. Like, no, speak up. Put some bass in your voice. I want to hear. I want to know who you are, what you represent. Stand on your ten. <laughs> now, provided I understand that some people they can't give that type of energy, and that's just how who they are. And you know, there's exceptions that can be made. But for the most part, 
No, I need to, I need you to vocalize, please, please. And so that leads me into problems with training a new employee. And man, I can tell you, I had a litany of experiences with this. And so I think the first thing that I'll draw from as far as training a new employee is the fact that they just don't have any experience at all, you know, kind of like Mina in this sense when she's working with customers. And so you're going to have to be very, very patient um, in their journey because this is a whole new learning stick that they have to build. And you're starting from day one and, you know, you have some employees where it might take uh, two weeks for them to get acclimated to everything. And you have others where it might take them three months or more, you know, I mean, the, the range is, it varies of course, but um, you know, the, the point I'm making here is it could take an extended amount of time for some people. And of course, depending on the company that you work for, whatever the goals are for the company, you know, waiting three months or longer, or even briefly might not be enough time and they could decide that they want to move on and fire that person. Now, I don't think I've really experienced somebody that did a poor job, get fired right off the bat. Usually they get to stick around for at least a year. And, and from what I can recall, and well, <laughs> unless they leave, they quit the job themselves and they're like, okay, this isn't for me. And then move on. Um, what else? What else? What, what would y'all say, Chad? What's some, y'all had any experiences uh, with training a new employee? And it's not that you had to be in a, managerial position because sometimes people will think like, okay, well, I didn't train somebody because I wasn't officially a manager or supervisor, but that doesn't have to be the case. You know, maybe you're training somebody at school. Maybe you are someone that's worked with the company for a very long time and has a lot of experience and knows the job well, and you're asked by a supervisor or something to, you know, help out and train an employee. Now, for me, uh, that could pose a problem. Uh, I mean, I don't know. I just love helping people. So maybe it's not exactly a problem, but there are times where I feel, man, this is not in my job description at all. <laughs> like I'm not getting paid for this. So why am I even bothering? Right. But the good nature and good heart, I guess, that I, I have I think I have. <laughs> it's just like, okay, well, just go ahead and do do your do your pal a favor because you never know. Like that person might turn out to be like the future director or vice president or something of the company if you decide to stick around long enough. So you never know. You know, things happen. You can get up end up getting passed up. Well, I would say in my case, you might not even want to get into management because of the extra responsibilities, right? But uh, Kane says, I was responsible for training every new employee at my old job. I was not patient enough. <laughs> Yo, and the emoji with the hands up. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's rough. It is rough dealing with new employees. And uh, I think another problem with training someone new is sometimes if they come from an area where they did similar work, they try to bring those same experiences or the same things that they learned at that job to their new job. 
And the problem with that is a lot of those things may not even apply. And so I normally have to tell some people like, look, you're going to have to strip down everything that you thought you knew about this type of job and start fresh. And that's really hard for some people to learn, you know, to, to be able to let go of old habits and try to learn something new, you know. And then you have people that are just, um, you know, they're just slow learners. You know, it takes them a while for things to register. And I, I feel like in some instances, I'm that way. It depends on what we're talking about. Like, I, for me, I try to make everything I'm involved with entertaining to some degree. So let's let's say, for an example, if I worked at a call center, right? Well, I might make it a challenge to myself, like, okay, you're going to try to get five calls under five minutes. So, okay, a call every minute, right? That's the type of thing that I would do for my to myself and challenging myself to try to meet, like, um, I guess, status quo, but also seeing, like, how fast I can be, you know, do my job. And that was what was fun for me. And so I always make it a challenging thing um, some one way or another, or if not, just something that I find to be entertaining at all. It might not be something that requires speed. It might just be something that I think that's really cool to do. Um, uh, let's say if I was, you know, at that same call center, maybe I'm just enjoying the conversation that I'm having with customers and I'm asking them about some of their um uh, experiences that they've had with our company, or maybe we want to talk about something just regular throughout the day, you know, something that we saw uh, on social media or something, you know, if I got enough time, then I'll do that, you know, and that that's always fun. And it's always something that I enjoy doing. But, but yeah, okay, well, that is problems with training a new employee. Of course, there's many, many more that y'all could add to the list. But hey, if there is something that you can think of that was a problem for you when training a new employee, please feel free to put that in the comments below. And yeah. All right, we will move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is... Reign of the Seven Spellblades, Episode 8, titled Rivals. Now, in this episode, Oliver gets challenged by a student named Tului, Tului, Tulio Rossi, who is frustrated with how much recognition Oliver is receiving at the Kimberly Magic Academy. Wow. So you mad. <laughs> tell, tell me why you really mad. Tulio. <laughs> and so in order to step into the spotlight, Tulio issues an open challenge amongst all the students to have a one-on-one -on -one battle anytime on the student campus. So it's literally like a free-for-all brawl out there. <laughs> and so the winner receives the loser's coin and whoever receives four or more coins is going to be the one declared the winner of this challenge. And so you had a bunch of kids at this uh, magic Academy that's like, yeah, yeah, I'll participate. I'll do it. And after a short time, um, when this challenge was issued, Tulio is stalking Oliver as he's trying to go meet somebody and challenges to him to a battle right off the back. And um, as he's taking this challenge and starts fighting Oliver, it catches him by surprise because he witnesses his dirty fighting style. 
So yeah, dirty fighting style. So what say you? You know, what is a dirty fighter? What are, what are some thoughts of for y'all when it comes down to a dirty fighter? Any thoughts? Any suggestions? Ideas? Of what a dirty fighter could be? Now, when I look on social, uh, there's a couple different definitions of what a dirty fighter could be. Uh, but for me, I think a dirty fighter is anybody that is not willing to uh, go by rules. So if there is a stage where you're challenging someone and there are rules in place and they don't abide by those rules, then that's what makes them a dirty fighter. But here's the thing. I, I know a lot of times when we think about that, we think about street fighting. But to me, in street fighting, it's automatically implied that you can do whatever, right? And at least that's how I, I was wrote, uh, raised growing up. Like, you know, if you're in a, a, a fight off the street with somebody or whatever, like anything can go down. So, of course, you know, you're going to see uh, when girls are fighting, hair is going to get pulled. Heck, you might even see that with some dudes, right? Uh, you know, somebody might grab some dirt off the ground, chunking at somebody's eye. Uh, chairs, tables might get involved. Yeah, and and but think about it. Why does that exist? It's, to me, it's because there are no rules if, involved whatsoever, right? Uh, let's see. Uh, Kane says, I think if it's outside of a sanctioned fight, anything is fine, to be honest. If it's a sanctioned fight, of course, got to follow the set of rules. Yeah, bingo. Bingo. That's exactly how I feel, Kane. Like, if if there's rules in place, that's what you're supposed to... Now, well, okay, I will say this, though. <laughs> Why is it that dirty fighting also makes things more entertaining to a degree? Like, when you think about wrestling, for example, so your WWE, WCW of old and stuff like that, all the dirty fighters, some people enjoy watching, like, your Ric Flair's, uh, your Chris Jericho's who else is out there that was a like big dirty fighter um I think Triple H uh to a degree was a dirty fighter or he could do dirty fighting but you know of course it's it's wrestling so it's fake but I guess that's my point is that anything that is seen as like opponents duking it out whether it's uh something that's uh orchestrated or not whenever dirty fighting is involved like people like love that they're like oh my goodness this is amazing even i mean even if you go back to like the mike tyson versus a what evander holyfield fight i think um he mike tyson bit his ear right and we're like okay that is super dirty like that should not exist in the world of boxing right but think about it to this day well, I can't say to this day, but for a very, very, very long time, that's all people talked about in the boxing world or just in uh, sports in general, especially when it came down to combat sports, is the Mike Tyson ear biting. And it's, it's literally like one of the herald moments in history. And I wouldn't say that it's particularly looked uh, upon greatly, but it's something that got so much coverage and it's not like it tore Mike Tyson's career down, right? 
But but I would also say that I really think that media and uh, other platforms pick and choose because on one hand, somebody could do it, but if they're like beloved and everybody is on their side and stuff like that, then nothing wouldn't possibly come harm to them. But if some if it's somebody that people want to get rid of or don't have a good opinion about anyways, oh, they're done. <laughs> they are done. They are not coming back. They are about to get smut out. <laughs> but yeah, Kay says, nah, that bite was absolutely disgusting. It was. It was. It was seriously nasty. But think about all of the um, spinoff shows or comedy shows like Mad TV. Uh, what are some like other? Um, I think even like Key and Peele did some stuff with that in the past. I can't. I'm not sure, but I know like some of the old uh, shows and some of the newer ones have took some type of page away from that fight. So, okay, we move. We move. We move to our next anime for discussion, and that is. Undead Murder Forest, episode eight, titled The Banquet. Oh, and did they eat? <laughs> I mean, the title is not exactly what you think. You know, it's actually the name of an organization. But the way they came in and intro, oh, yeah, you could pretty much best believe that they ate. But yeah, in this episode, uh, Sagaru is in a three-way rumble with the hired and skilled fighter named Ronald Stinghart and the elegant master thief Arsen Lupin. Now, after their relentless squabbling, a huge hole is busted in the wall. Boom, bam, it just smashed up the wall and a mysterious figure appears through the smoke and quickly beats the hell out of Ronald and Sagaru. Now, this figure turns out to be the legendary Jack the Ripper. Whoa. What? So, for those of you that are watching the live stream right now, that on the screen is Jack the Ripper. Or at least an imagined version of him in the undead murder farce. Excuse me. My nose is all stuffy right now. <laughs> um... But about Jack the Ripper, so I do want to talk a little bit about him because I feel like in so many series, we hear about this character, whether it be like live TV shows, anime, what have you, I, especially I want to say recently in the um, uh, Fate series, they talked about Jack the Ripper as they are taking more of a like a North American approach with legends. And so I thought this would be a cool time to kind of talk about uh, Jack the Ripper a little bit. So uh, Jack the Ripper was an unidentified serial killer active in and around the impoverished Whitechapel district of London uh, in 1888. So this happened in England. And in both criminal case files in the contemporaneous <laughs> uh, journalistic accounts, the killer was called the Whitechapel murderer in leather apron, which I don't think, I think, I think I've heard Whitechapel murderer, but this is the first time I heard of leather apron before. So attacks ascribed to Jack the Ripper typically involve women 
working as prostitutes who lived and worked in the slums of the East End of London. So East East London, which, you know, if y'all listen to any of the drill music in London or England, for that matter, uh, a lot of them hail from from East London. East London. Uh, uh, terrible, terrible British accent. <laughs> Um, but their throats were cut prior. Oh, this is kind of graphic. So I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. This is a little graphic. So I apologize, but, uh, their throats were cut prior to abdominal mutilations, the removal of internal organs from at least three of the victims led to speculation that their killer had some anatomical or surgical knowledge. Now, rumors that the murders were connected intensified in September and October of 1888, and numerous letters were received by media outlets in Scotland Yard from individuals purporting um, or reporting to be the murderer. So that's kind of, that's foul. Like this, this dude seemed to have a problem with, um, uh, sexual workers. Let's just call them that. Let's just call them that. I mean, it says prostitutes, but I think I think there's there's a more modernized name for it now. <laughs> um, and so the name Jack the Ripper originated in the Dear Boss letter that was written by an individual claiming to be the murderer, which was um, decimated in the press, so it was pretty much widespread. Uh, and believed to have been a hoax and may have been written by journalists to heighten interest in the story and increase their newspaper circulation. Now, if that was true, because there that doesn't seem to be hard evidence that came out of if this person was indeed found from what I read so far. Um, but if it was the job of journalists and newspaper um, platforms, that is so like wrong on so many levels and i'm not saying that those things don't happen today but the fact that they're using their platform to garner more sales on fake news for the most part is sickening like they're just like what is what literally what the hell is wrong with y'all <laughs> but uh so well speaking of hell so the from hell letter was received by a man named george lusk of the Whitechapel Vigilance Committee, who came with half of a preserved human kidney uh, reportedly taken from one of the victims. Now, the public came increasingly, um, I guess you could say, weary of things that was happening, of the existence of a single serial killer known as Jack the Ripper, and mainly because of both the extraordinarily brutal nature of the murders and media coverage of those crimes. Wow. So, yeah, Jack, I mean, I could just I, I mean, I put myself in that time frame of 1888, you know, being if I was a woman in that time frame, I would be completely frightened from going to, to go outside at all, especially if I lived in East London. I would not want to go anywhere, not grocery shopping, no nothing. Right. But tragic. Yeah, that's a little bit about Jack the Ripper. There's definitely a lot more um, information about them. So if you're interested in more, <laughs> go ahead. Uh, that he, that that caricature is uh, a little worrying. I'm not going to lie. I, I hope that there aren't other many 
Jack, the little Jack the Rippers running around uh, our global world today. Okay, moving on to our next anime for discussion. And that is... Season 2 of Mushoku Tensei, Jobless Reincarnation, Episode 8, titled The Fiancé of Despair. Now, in this episode, Rudis is met by a student named Cliff Grimoire, who historically has not had a positive experience uh, with Rudis due to his smuggish attitude towards him. And so pretty much they saw each other in class and Cliff was like, bro, I don't want to talk to you. Like, I, I don't got I don't have anything to say to you. I don't want to be friends. I don't want to be your pal. I don't have anything I need to learn from you. And I'm not calling you senpai. So be gone. <laughs> Get out of my eyesight. And so in this instance, you know, he's appearing to be shy and Cliff walks up to Rudis and asks him for advice as he would like to confess his love to the promiscuous Elanice, uh, I don't know how to say her name, <laughs> Liza <laughs> Dragon Road. Uh, everybody calls her Liza. So that's just what we're going to stick to on here. <laughs> I will butcher her name quick in any hurry, right? But yeah, so, you know, helping a friend confess to their crush. Now, now, have y'all ever been put in a position where you help someone confess to someone that they really, really liked? You know, saying that it was love at first sight. Now, I, I have, have had this happen to me uh, a, a couple times. I wouldn't say a lot. I mean, I definitely will dish out advice from time to time. Um, but I would say that a lot of my friends were able to kind of handle a lot of their crushes uh, on their own. But there have been a few that have came to me for aid. And so I give y'all one short story of a time where I helped out a friend. And so this was in junior high. And I had a friend that uh, so I, I hung out with a lot of girls uh, in school, especially during my junior uh uh, high times and um <laughs> uh, my friend was like man jay like you're always hanging out with beautiful girls and stuff like that and i i just man i, I really like you know let's call her um let's call her jen let's call her jen so he says i really love jen and man i, I really want to get with her like do you think that you can hook me up so i'm like Oh, you like Jen for real? Okay, yeah, I can do that. I can hook you up with her. So I go to my friend Jen and I tell her, I say, hey, uh, my friend really, really likes you. Uh, I think you should give him a chance. You know, he's a really cool guy. You know, I, you know, I think that he'll mean well and he won't do anything bad or rude to you. So you should give him a shot. And. So then, you know, she's like, okay, well, I, I, you know, I'll, I'll think about giving him a chance. So I go back to my friend and I tell him, look, okay, I set the table for you. You know, she's considering giving you a shot. She's going to meet up with you at a certain time. All you have to do is be genuine, be yourself, and um, express how much, you know, you like her. And you should be fine. And that's really how simple it is in most cases. Now, don't get me wrong. And I think I've said this in past episodes before. 
you really do need to check the temperature to see if somebody, you know, possibly likes you or would be willing to give you a chance. Because if you don't, you could end up possibly getting some very strong rejection. Uh, and so hopefully you don't choose to do this uh, in, a, in a public setting around a whole bunch of people. Because now you're putting that person that you like on the spot and or that your friend likes on the spot. And that could end up all bad. And you and your friend could end up getting into a fight because of it. <laughs> <laughs> Like who who does that though, man? We throwing hands because you didn't help me get my get the person I like. Like we throwing hands. Like what type of friend is that, right? <laughs> um, but yeah, no, it, it's truly that simple. Um, so I would say throw out fillers is one thing that you, advice that you can give to a friend, and that could be your job as the friend to go to that person and say, hey, you know, I'm not going to tell you exactly who likes you, but there's someone that I know that that really feeling you. And, you know, if I if I tell you who it is, will you promise not to, you know, tell anybody else that they like you and, and, you know, things of that nature? And if they say, yeah, I won't tell anybody, then boom, you let it be known. Hey, this is my friend and such. He's a really cool guy. You got to you got to talk him up. You got to talk. You know, you got to give those positives of why your friend is the coolest and why he you should hang out with him. Now, don't be too over the top because if you making him sound like he's Superman, but then let's say they actually hook up and he's more like an Ant-Man. Yeah. I just, I just made some Marvel fans hella fan. <laughs> I just made some Marvel fans hella mad. I don't care. Look, Ant-Man is not that cool to me and I'm just, I'm putting it out there. I don't care. Get at me. You, you know, I said what I said. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so uh, once that happens and if the feelers, if your friend comes back and says, yeah, it's a go, like you should go up there and you go ahead and talk to her or him, uh, then you're good. But if you get the, uh, I'm not too sure or nah, it's not going to happen, hey, retreat, <laughs> retreat, <laughs> throw out the white flag and bag it up. And, and from that point now, here, what I will say is this. If you get the, uh, I'm not sure, if you get kind of like the fence falling or whatever, it's possible that you're being considered, but maybe because of um, their uh, perception of you, it's just not something that they feel attracted to. And so maybe you have to do something to help your friend become a little bit more attractive in the eyes of other people. Now, what could that be? Maybe that's joining a sports team maybe that's um doing something very impressive for your whole class grade maybe you i don't know saved enough money where you could take the whole class um i don't know on a small shopping spree or something now i'm not saying you got money just laying around like that right <laughs> and kane says man i love playing cupid not gonna lie <laughs> No, it's fun. It really is fun, especially when you're like the, well, I'm not going to say like the middleman in a sense, because that can also backfire. That could be a bad thing when you're the middleman. But if you're in uh, a positive situation where no, neither side are going to look bad at you uh, or each other, you know, then I would say that it's always a good experience and can be a lot of fun. 
But yeah, but hey, those are some tips uh, to help you and your friend confess to their crush. I hope that that becomes helpful. Uh, and you know, if you need any other tips, feel free to DM me. Uh, you know, maybe I can share some more thoughts or experiences that I've had. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty much what happened. And my my friend uh, and Jen, they end up hooking up. Uh, and <laughs> long story short, it didn't last. Uh, but that's a whole nother story all by itself that I'll probably share another day. But uh, I'll say long story short with, with that, uh, me and my friend end up getting into a fight over that situation. <laughs> I thought I just said earlier, like who gets into a fight after they help somebody with uh, um, confess to their crush and actually seal the deal, right? But yeah, <laughs> let's go ahead and jump into our B-side slate now with our anime for discussion, and that is Sweet Reincarnation, episode nine, titled "Sweet or Bitter." The tea tasting ceremony. Ooh, I want some tea. I want some tay. <laughs> uh, so in this episode, Pastry is invited by the head countess, Brochet Salgrate Millet Latesche. I think I said that right. <laughs> to participate in a tea ceremony with his fiance, Licorice Huberic. Now, during their sit down in negotiating the removal of taxes on goods for the land of Pastry's father, Casserole. So long story short with that, uh, Casserole is the uh, governing in this new developed land. And Pastry has been helping him kind of develop that land. And they're trying to find ways of bringing more income because they also have more people within their city town or town limits, I should say. And so Pastry gives the Countess Latesche a sample of his hard candy to which she enjoys and begins to cunningly plan how she would take advantage of Pastry and his future goals. So she pretty much ate the candy was like, hmm. Okay, I think I'm starting to understand what Pastry's future goals are. Like they're trying to expand their business, and if we remove taxes from this, then he's able to you know continue creating candy that could bring in income for their uh, land, and they could possibly rise into power. And so this queen of some sorts of countess, she's pretty much trying to reduce. Um, them from coming into more power. That's kind of the best way that I could describe it. But, but yeah, hey, what's up, Q? Q in the chat. Hey, shout outs to to my my boy, my boy. <laughs> I appreciate you swinging by. Thank you, thank you kindly. Uh, so the question is, and maybe Q, you can help me out with this, Val. Maybe you too. What's your favorite hard candy? What could be? What could be your favorite hard candy? of taste. Now I'll be honest, I'm not a big hard candy fan. There's not that many that I can think of that I just seriously enjoy. Um but I think like right off the top, the first thing that comes to mind is probably lifesavers. Dang, but then there's what the what are the um the the lollipop candy uh dumbs? Is that what they're called? Dumbs? They're good too because of the different flavors that you have. 
Because if I'm doing lifesavers, I'm doing more like the tropical flavors. Um, banana, coconut, and stuff like that. That's what I enjoy. I don't really like regular flavors like cherry and strawberry. I'm not saying that I wouldn't eat them, but they're boring. Like it's so boring. Like, why would I want to eat boring candy? You know, if if I had to, if I got to go to the store and choose, then that's I'm getting something that I think is a little bit more fun for my tongue, if you know what I'm saying. <laughs> Uh, Kane says, you know, those strawberry hard candies with the fillings, those are peak. Hey, yo, my grandma, <laughs> my grandma used to have those in the, like the little tin, um, circle little dish thing that you could pop open. And it, it, it literally had the, the top look like a big strawberry. I remember those days. That was a long time ago. <laughs> and so you pop that open and you get those strawberry candies. And yeah, those are pretty good. Now, I didn't really like the feeling, to be honest. I'm not a, um, I don't know. It's something about like, I don't know, just something like a filled donut and all that. I just can't do it. It's not, it's not for me. It's the, maybe it's the texture because my, my mind is saying, oh, this is hard candy. So we're like, we're enjoying, we're sucking on this, whatever. And then all of a sudden you get to this wet, moist part. Man, nah. Mm -mm. <laughs> Val, don't. Don't, Val. Don't. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Val. Do your thing. Go ahead. <laughs> um, Q says, I feel like I'm obligated to nominate the those nameless strawberry wrapped hard candies that's always been materialized in grandma's purse. Hey, we all on the same accord. We all on the same accord here. Hey Q, hey Q and um and uh 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 Kane, uh, y'all might be related now. Y'all might be. Y'all might be uh distant cousins or something. You never know. Your know, great minds think alike. Y'all could just be uh candy scientists. <laughs> uh Val says if I had if it had to be a hard candy, Jolly Ranchers. Okay, yeah, I can high five on that. Some Jolly Ranchers. I was very partial to the the apple flavor. It was good. Uh, Q says I chew Jolly Ranchers right out the wrapper because <laughs> I want to watch the world burn. <laughs> oh man. Too much. You too much, kid. That's what's up. <laughs> uh, any love for the Werther's Originals? Oh, are those the um, are those like the brown candies? Like the little brown candies that taste like uh, it's not butterscotch, is it? That's what my mind is thinking of right now. Yeah, yes, caramels. Yeah, those are good actually. And that's to me like this candy that pastry gave this countess. Reminds me of that. Like that's that's exactly the flavor that came to mind when they when she was eating it. And a lot of the other people that were in this court of hers, uh, pastry was handing out samples of those too. And the fact that they were drinking or or consuming this candy with tea, to me, like this will be the the perfect candy flavor and texture that would go with tea, right? It just seems like it all works hand to hand. I don't know. That's just me. But yeah, uh, the candy in the image low key looks like a shiny golden a goldfish cracker. <laughs> yeah, like a straight up. Uh, yeah, the goldfish, the goldfish crackers. Yeah, you're right. 
It does look like that a little bit. See, I saw the shininess to it, so I was like, eh, maybe. But I can definitely see it, though, for sure. <laughs> or a shiny magic card. <laughs> That's what's up. But yeah, you know, hey, but I'd love to know uh, anybody else's that are viewing this uh, favorite candy. You know, if, please feel free to put that down in the comments below. And we'll move. We'll move on to our next anime for discussion. And that is... The Great Cleric, Episode 7, titled The Holy City of Sharul, and Episode 8, titled A Threat in the Boss Room. So this was one of the animes that was delayed due to the World Championship Sports, and they end up releasing two episodes uh, this week. So for anybody that's a fan of The Great Cleric, uh, you were definitely, you got your feel and, uh, you know, hopefully you're satisfied because I was, you know, this is one of the, um, you know, etchies or well, not etchy, but, uh, reincarnation animes that I actually really enjoy. But in this anime, Lucille makes it to the Holy church where he was summoned by the Pope. So imagine getting a letter from the Pope and saying, Hey, you've been summoned to the Holy church and now you're going to be working here for a couple years. Like what? <laughs> <laughs> did God ordain this? No, I'm just, just kidding. <laughs> like, no, like that would be so strange to receive a letter in the mail. And then all of a sudden that's the work that you got to do. Now for Luciel on his side, he got paid really, really well. So maybe I wouldn't complain that much about it. Right. <laughs> but, uh, during his orientation, Luciel is provided strict instructions from a mage named Granhart who oversees Lucio, but asks a bit much for him uh, while he's doing his job. So just imagine having, um, you know, a boss that is just super extra on everything. Like, hey, do this, do this. Oh, but by the way, don't forget to do this. Like, do you really want to have to deal with someone like that? So, of course, we're going to talk about overbearing supervisors. Have y'all had overbearing supervisors before? Maybe you still do. <laughs> you're, like, you're like, Jay, please don't do not remind me. I'm not trying to live my life right now. <laughs> I, I, I came here for entertainment. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. We're going to get through this together. <laughs> What's up, Pancakeu? Pancakeu says hello from YouTube. Hey, well, a hello to you. And I hope that you're having an excellent Sunday. Or it could be Monday, wherever you are. Could be. Uh, so, yeah. So, overbearing supervisors. My experience with them, uh, I've, I've had a couple. And I think, um, so, I had a supervisor that was one of the first women in her position to get hired. Uh, and she was... Um, African-American, I'm going to put it that way. And because of all of these different uh, layers that she had, it was really, really difficult in her position. And so she, I think she felt like I have to do more than I'm asked or ex that's expected of me to truly be recognized. And what that meant for me is, hey, I'm going to take you under my wing and I'm going to mold you into what I think you should be. Now, the problem with that is I 
am not to be molded. <laughs> Unhand me. <laughs> Unhand me. Don't not touch me. No touchy. No touchy me. Uh, but yeah, I was definitely, um, as I was younger, I wasn't malleable like that. You know, you could not um, tell me what to do. I was, I wouldn't say I was hard headed. It was just that I knew what I wanted out of life and it wasn't extra duties, extra responsibilities. I just wanted to do my job that was in my description and go home. That's all. That's all I want to do. So if you're telling me to do something that is not within my, um, if it's optional, don't expect for me to do it. Now, I will say this. In the end, I will say that she was um, really trying to do, like, get me to do some new things that could have really helped my career going forward. But there's just a way that you that you um, train people or that you teach people or that you share information, you know. And the way that she did it was very rough, rude, arrogant, and um, matter of fact, you know, and I, if you've had a supervisor that's like that, where anything that they say has to be law and they don't take no for an answer, those are some of the worst people to work for because it's like you got to worship the ground that they walk on, right? It sucks. It's terrible. It's a terrible experience. Uh, Q says, wait, was the Pope in the Isekai world or the regular world? Yeah, he, the the Pope was Lucille. And okay, I know because Lucille that that okay we're we're you're I kind of see where you're going with this Q, <laughs> but yes, Lucille and the Pope were both in this Isekai world. But Lucille is the person that actually got Isekai to this new world where he became a healing cleric, and so it's a, it's a whole it's a whole vibe a whole story with Lucille. But I, I can say that this is one of the Isekais that I really really enjoy and. Because it's taking a different spin on it and you actually kind of see Lucio doing hard work and it's not like he automatically started OP as hell like a lot of the other ones. Um, it's it's super enjoyable. Yeah. Uh, Val says uh, on Twitch says, yeah, I quit my job for it. <laughs> Val said, I'm not even going to try. I'm done. Like you can't. I'm not dealing with these uh, snooty, snobby supervisors. I'm out. Peace. Just chunk up the deuces like it wasn't nothing. Quick like. I like that. I like that. Now, I will say for me, I would, oh, oh my God, I would love to, I would have loved to done that multiple times over if I could. But I just, I have to have an exit plan in most of those scenarios. Like it's hard for me to just up and go. And just say, okay, well, let me draw unemployment or something like that, or uh, you know, get help from my family and friends and stuff like that. Like that would be difficult. That's a hard pill for me to swallow. So I would say, in that instance, I have a lot of pride. <laughs> I have a super pride, where it's like, okay, I don't want to depend on anybody else, so I got to figure out a way to make this shake, make it work. And so, if that means taking uh, six more months and dealing with that until I'm able to find another job, then I'd be willing to do that. But sadly, you know, you that that six months of you taking a straight up beat down every single day you come to work, it's the worst experience ever. I'm telling you. <laughs> uh, Kane says, I've always had the opposite problem, not gonna lie. My supervisor was always MIA. Man, oh my, see, 
what a pleasurable experience, Kane. <laughs> like, seriously, that is the best. Like, knowing that you come to work, you can do your job, and you don't have to worry about anybody really overseeing you. Like, they're, like all you got to do is just do your job right, and if there's no complaints, then there's nothing to talk about, right? Man, great experience. You can just relax. I know me. I do my job. If I got enough time on the clock, I'll be watching YouTube, <laughs> Twitch, Twitch videos, just the whole gamut, right? <laughs> All right, we move. We move to our next anime for discussion. And that is Luloni Kenshin, episode eight, titled Beauty on the Run. Now, in this episode, Kenshin helps Sanosuke, or Sanosuke at a gambling ring with winning matches of rolling dice. So they was really out there throwing craps playing 7-Eleven. 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 But yeah, I, I was actually surprised. Like, Kenshin was actually pretty good. Like, he helped Sanosuke win a lot. But yeah, so after, uh, you know, some moments of playing games, Sanosuke realizes that one of the frequenters uh, of the gambling matches is absent and he finds out from others in the venue that he was murdered after inhaling toxic levels of opium. Wow. That kind of sounds like things that's happening in society today in a way, right? Um, so in an urgent rush, a beautiful young lady by the name of Megumi enters the building after being chased by some guys looking to cause her harm. Like we running after you and we trying to chase her down and they had weapons in her hand. I mean, it was a scary sight for her, especially for her. And so unknown of the circumstances of why she was being chased, Kenshin and Sonosuke quickly beat the guys and tossed them out of the gambling venue. Like, mm, be gone. We smack you up and we throw you out of this building. And so threatening them to leave the grounds immediately, uh, after seeing how strong Kenshin was specifically, Megumi throws herself on Kenshin, hoping for his continued protection. So for those of you that are watching the live stream right now, y'all can see the beautiful Megumi on the right hand side and Kenshin being coddled by her love and an embracing hand. Oh, oh, look at that little love, little love. That's so pretty. That's so pretty. It's so beautiful. But now it's got, we got to talk about being seduced by beauty because I mean, that's really what's happening with Kenshin. Well, seemingly what happens with Kenshin, but have y'all been seduced by beauty before? Now don't lie. Don't, don't you just start telling them lies. Like, nah, ain't nobody ever seduced me. I'm, uh, you know, uh, I got to like them first. No, 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 no. See, See, a lot of the times when people hear about being seduced, they automatically think about the sexual part of it all. And what I mean by that, I mean like intercourse, like they seduced me and we just started smashing in the back of a pickup truck on Highway 35. You had to been there. Not just <laughs> I'm not, I promise I'm not speaking from experience. That's, 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 that's cap. That's cap. But, uh, um, uh, Q says, yeah, every damn day, you know, I'm, I'm definitely seduced by beauty. Uh, gotta keep an air mattress in the flatbed for a rainy day. You never know. 
<laughs> yeah, you never know. Uh, Val says, of course, of course, I, I've been seduced by beauty. Yeah, see, I appreciate y'all for keeping it 100 with me. Because it does, it happens. You know, um, I, I give a prime example of why um, the seduction of beauty happens more frequently than we think it does. So imagine that you're going to a corner store. You know, you're going to go pick up, go get gas for your vehicle. Or maybe you want to get some gum because your breath stank or something like that. You know, we can't have that stank breath. So... <laughs> So you're, you're, you go into the, the place, right? And you're about, to, you're about to open the door. And as you open the door, you look behind you and you notice some beautiful young lady or young man coming out. And I mean, you're just enchanted. Or maybe you're not, maybe you're not enchanted. You just automatically, your brain somewhat gets conditioned to where you open up the door for the person. And a lot of times what you find is somebody with high beauty standards, you we tend to do more for them because they look so gorgeous. And so unconsciously, you're not even thinking about it. You're like, oh, snap, let me open the door for this person. And you open up the door and allow them to come in. And, you know, and you're, you're probably hoping, you know, you're simping and you're hoping for, uh, thank you. I appreciate that or something like that. Well, I'm not saying, well, let me... <laughs> Let me say, you're not simping. You're just, you're just hoping for some gratitude. How about that? You're hoping for some gratitude, which is, which is something that I really appreciate. Like if, if I'm being a gentleman and I'm holding the door for you, that's the least that you can say to me. And, uh, I will say today, I don't know what the hell is going on with people. <laughs> I don't, it's like, they don't have any inkling to say, thank you. I appreciate it. Like they don't want to talk to you. They don't want to say nothing. Maybe I'm ugly. <laughs> but no, I, I, I will say that that's been the experience of um, when you're working with someone, I shouldn't say working, but rather when you're trying to provide someone with aid in, I don't know, just a, a beautiful gesture. So you open up the door for that person and they come in and you feel happy. Now, let's just say the same scenario happened and they were not very attractive, the complete opposite end of the spectrum. Most of the times, if you saw that person, you probably wouldn't even try to continue opening that door. You would just let the door close behind you and hope that they catch it. And you're going about your business to pay for that gas or get your gum, right? It's messed up. It's messed up. But that is those beauty standards it's, they're a real thing and they pave the way for a lot of things that we do. Uh, you might even see it on social media where, you know, there are some uh, uh, people that are really, really gorgeous. If, you know, even in the co cosplay world, uh, you know, someone that has the nice physique, um, beautiful features, they're likely going to get a bunch of likes retweets and all this other stuff where another person that is not uh, as attractive probably won't get the same type of attention. Right. So, yeah, we, you know, we gotta, we gotta recognize that beauty standards is a real thing. And um, believe it or not, you are being seduced by the beauty. You know, it's not a sexualized thing, um, but uh, it is something that's definitely capturing you and uh, making you want to do something that you might not do on a regular uh, occasion. Uh, Q says, hey, you got to keep an air mattress. Oh, we talked about that. <laughs> I 
I really, I really want to get an air mattress and put it on the flatbed. That's what I got from that. <laughs> but all right, yeah, that's your your beauty standards. Um, hey, if you've been seduced by beauty, uh, feel free to leave a comment below and explain some examples of things that happened to you. You know, I'm sure y'all got some additional stories that y'all would like to share. So feel free. You know, let me let a brother know. Okay, all right, we move on to our next anime for discussion and that is season two of bleach's thousand year blood war episode 21 titled the headless star man i love bleach so much <laughs> y'all y'all probably want to hear me say this every week but I'm, I'm just so glad that this anime is back like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't have to have the, the most fantastic storyline and plot. But, man, those character designs, um, their abilities, uh, the voice actors, the 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 uh, effects that we've seen in this, you know, compared to the old series. I mean, bar none. It's just so much more better and more improved. Now, some people might feel a little bit different about the art style because it seems to take a little bit more of a a um manga approach i would say but i love it like i really enjoy it a lot but yeah in this episode of bleach after extensive training in soul the soul king's domain ichigo finally makes his way back to soul society and immediately begins fighting multiple strong opponents from the quincy army so he's pretty much going up against four quincy's right off the back and really having his way with them. <laughs> I mean, it was pretty simple. Like, he was just like toying around with them for the most part. And so after filling a powerful Retsu, Ichigo sees the Quincy leader, Yawak. I think that's how you say that. You say that name, Yawak, <laughs> who is being escorted by Jugram and his close companion, Uryu Ishida or Ishida. Completely shocked that his friend would side with the enemies, he yells out, Ishada! Ishada, what are you doing? Get your tail back here. I mean, he didn't say that, but it was pretty much like that. Like, what are you doing over there? You know? So, yeah, he's asking him, why is he switching sides? Man, that, seems, that sounds like a headline that you see in Chicago, right? But, uh, <laughs> so, yeah, feelings from being portrayed. You know, how, what are some feelings that you've had from feeling betrayed. I think the the biggest thing and you know from being betrayed is feeling like a person possibly just lied to you. Like they're like right in front of their face, they did it's almost like they had no intentions of ever being your friend in the first place. And so that feeling by itself of you know, thinking about all the time that y'all spent together, the things that you've done, how y'all had each other's back. And then this one moment, it almost burns all of those other memories down to the ground. And it's tough. It's a really tough feeling to have because um, betrayal can come in waves of emotions. You know, you can be very, very angry and upset. Um, you can be very sad because this is somebody that you possibly looked up to very, very much. And now, you know, you feel like you can't trust them. You can't be around them. Uh, just the thought of their being makes you feel sick to your stomach. Like that's how 
uh, diff or how bad betrayal can be sometimes. And, you know, of course, it's a perception thing, too, because what some people think is betrayal, others may think of, well, like, nah, I didn't, I wasn't really intending to betray you. I just looked for an opportunity and this was the best thing that came up. And, but it's at the expense of our potential friendship and I'm willing to do that. And man, look, people that are willing to do that, I can't mess with them. I can't, I can't, I can't do it. Like if you are willing to just say, I I saw an opportunity to make more money or whatever that is a come up. And that means that I'm not going to like talk to you anymore, even though we were good friends. I, that's just, to me, that's, that's really, uh, poor of a person. You know, I, I don't think that that person was ever good in the first place. And it's not to say that they can't become better uh, as they grow and mature uh, and have more life experiences. But at least at that particular time, you got to write those people off, you know, get them out, get them out your system, pay them no mind, move on because you'll probably be better off without them. Right. Okay. All right, we move to our next anime for discussion. And this is actually our last anime for discussion. And that is season two of Jujutsu Kaisen, episode 29, titled Premature Death. Now, those of y'all been following along, we know that uh, episode 30 uh, has been delayed. I wouldn't say delayed, it's just... Uh, they timed it to where uh, this sequel for the Shibuya um, tragedy, I believe that's what the title of it is, is going to come out uh, actually on August the 31st. So, you know, hopefully y'all are looking forward to that. And I promise that I'd cover episode 29 and a topic for that uh, before we get into our new episodes. Uh, but yeah, in this episode of Jujutsu Kaisen, after failing to protect an important asset to the Tokyo Prefectural Jujutsu High School, Geto becomes overwhelmed with thoughts of what his true goals are after being a Jujutsu sorcerer and dispelling cursed energy countless times. And so as a result, Geto decides to leave the school with his goals of eradicating all humans that can't perform jujutsu. Dang. Ghetto's like, look, I can't deal with this anymore. We protecting all these weak people. I've had it up to here. Like, what if I just eradicate all weak people and we have nothing but a world full of jujutsu users? That will make life much, much easier for everybody. And not only that, but I think there is also the, um, the idea that the the evil um, spirits, I guess you could say, comes from just everyday regular people. And so by eliminating them, you pretty much eliminate having to do jujutsu for the most part. At least that seems to be Ghetto's plan for the most part. Now, um, complacent with his decision to leave, Gojo looks for Ghetto, which... That sounds like they sound like brothers, to be honest. <laughs> uh, but in a way, they are, if you think about it. Uh, and is tasked with defeating him, but his love for him makes him choose not to attack him. And instead, they go their separate ways. Dang. So, for those of y'all that are watching the live stream, you can see Ghetto 
at the bottom right hand of the screen. And you can faintly see Gojo with the white hair uh, kind of um, blending in the crowd uh, in the middle of the screen to your left. And so, yeah, you know, it, so losing your best friend, because that's pretty much what happened with Gojo. You know, him and, and Ghetto were uh, very, very close. They did a lot of bouts together, um, you know, a lot of missions, and they've had a strong relationship. And a lot of it stems from them both being very, very strong uh, Jujutsu sorcerers. And so once Ghetto made his uh, decision to leave, you know, it, it heart broke Gojo. And the fact that he was, tasked with having to kill him uh, was just another wrench that was kind of thrown in his in his his psyche and in his heart right but yeah losing your best friend you know i don't know if any of y'all have had experience uh losing someone that you were very very close with over time but it's very tough you know i you know i can only imagine how gojo felt in this moment you know someone that he essentially grew up with in the school you know we don't know the true origin story of, you know, the people that he was around, but at least there was a, a major time of um, their youth where they did work together in eradicating these evil spirits. And I, man, I'm just thinking of my own experiences uh, when I lost uh, a best friend or maybe two, you know, I, I know I had one friend that we used to go hang out at his house all the time, play video games, and we just had a lot of fun. Um, but over time, you know, you start recognizing that even though we're hanging out, uh, he wasn't really taking an initiative to hang out with us or or I shouldn't say hang out, but rather let it be known that he truly admires us, wants to be around us, loves us. It's just more of a nurturing feeling of friendship because it's a two-way street. Like if I'm, you know, going out of my way to spend time with you, uh, you know, I would hope that you would reciprocate that, especially in my moments of es essential need. You know, maybe I lost somebody in my family. Uh, maybe I just got out of a tough relationship with someone and I broke up with my ex and I might need a little bit of consoling. And so these are moments where, um, you know, having a best friend or somebody that you're really, really close to uh, really is helpful. And those can be reasons why you end up falling out with somebody is because they weren't there for you in those key moments. And seemingly it makes them look uh, selfish in a lot of ways. And I would say that was pretty much uh, the reason why I stopped being friends with someone I grew up with is because of that. You know, it became it felt very one way ish like, oh, you know, you're you know, we're only friends because I enjoy your company. You know, your entertainment. It's like, no, like there's way more layers to this that I want out of a true friendship. You know, like I want real companionship as far as like, you know, having each other's backs, um, being there for, for each other and, and so on. So, you know, if you've had any experiences like that, trust me, <laughs> I completely understand. And it's nothing wrong. It's nothing wrong with like sometimes you go different ways. You know, there's uh, different chapters that you go through in your life and not everybody is going to be included in every chapter that you have. And so, you know, you got to kind of take the good with the bad and and move along, you know, and, and hope that you're moving in a in a positive direction. Right. But OK, well, hey, that is it for our 
anime discussions for today. Hey, once again, if you are a new listener, please be sure to check out the links below in the description as you can find more dope bingo book podcast content on DSPs wherever you listen to your podcast. Uh, and also make sure to check out our YouTube, Twitch, Facebook, and Kick pages. Uh, and of course, I also have a Discord called Jay's Crib. So if you would like to hang out with me or get some notifications whenever I go live, I'd love to have you be a part of our community.